On tonight's show, we have candidate for Bay Waverly School Board, Dr. Barbara Coatney. And now for your host, Cool Car. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the show. Kicking it with Cool Car, episode 44. We are 44 episodes in and it feels just like yesterday. It feels so good. I keep bringing you guys value, excellent guests with beautiful minds, bringing you all the value, dropping you gems. Man, I'm telling you, I've had some extraordinary people on here and it continues tonight. Tonight, I got a special, special guest, okay? I've never had a candidate for any type of election on here. And we're not talking presidential, we're talking education tonight. Now education, I hold that near and dear and a lot of us do because education is key, right? So it's election, it's, it's election time, it's election season. This falls right in line. So I had to bring it to you. And I told you I'm even going live on election night, you know? It's not going to stop the show, okay? We just got to keep going. But hey, anybody that's tuning in for the first time, I thank you. And I invite you to subscribe to the show so you can continue to come here and get these gems and get this value that I'm bringing to you through these guests that I have on here. Don't let these guests come on here and drop value and let it go in vain. You can't do it. Don't do it to yourself. Don't do it to me. I need you. You need me. I do it for you. So come on here and get this. All right. But without further ado, I'm going to bring on Dr. Barbara Coatney. She is up for Bay Waveland School Board. That's Bay St. Louis, Waveland, Mississippi. She's done it all in education. And now she is going to try her luck. I ain't going to say luck. She's going to try her hand at the next level. Policies, politicking, making a difference at the next level. And she needs your vote. She needs everybody's vote. We got to go out and vote. And she's going to tell you how to do that. She's going to tell you why she's the best candidate. She's going to tell you what she's going to do. She's going to tell you where she's been and where she's going. So let me bring her on in with a nice little warm welcome to Cool Car Way, the cool way. Dr. Barbara Coatney. Let's go, y'all. To, to really have that, that feel for children, that you really want them to succeed. Dr. Barbara Coatney, y'all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. So you're campaigning. You're on your campaign run. Yes. You, 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 you've done it all. You're an educator. You've got all types of degrees. You are a doctor. Yes. What, 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 I mean, what does this mean to you? You're, you're trying to take it to the next level here. You, you educated the world and now you, you want to get into policy. What does that mean for you? Well, we have a small town here in Bay Waveland. And Waveland is about, the population is about 6,000. Okay. And we have children and children to me, they're our future. In order for children to get the best education, they need to have board members with an education that will make decisions that are best for the parents and for the children. So to grow that, I feel like I'm retired. Why not me? I've done I've done a lot in education. I've had a lot of good experiences, and I think those experiences will bring add growth to the district. 
Now, I'm not saying we have a bad school district because okay. we don't. We have a good school district, but I want to make it better. Okay. There, there's always room for an imp- for improvement. So, so you pretty much your motivation is change. So you not 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 in a not in a bad way, but you want to be that catalyst of change and pushing it forward and just seeing it grow in the right direction. Yes, I, okay. I believe that I because of my my experiences in education and my experiences with dealing with the community. I, I, we have a good community, but the community needs to have someone to speak up for them. Okay. Someone at the table. I always say that when we're making, uh, even when I was a principal and worked in central office, I always said we would be sitting there doing the handbooks. And I would say to the people in the room, I said, you know, we make all these rules, but the people who are affected by these rules, they're not at the table. Mm, have no say so. Have no say so. So why not have a person that has had the experiences that a lot of our, especially our poor parents mm. have. You need to have someone who's been poor at the table. Okay. Someone who someone who had to, you know, kind of claw their way up through the education arena. And I have that, those experiences and I can feel what parents are going through when they come to a board meeting and they're asking, please do not put my child out of school. He has one more month in school or he has two more months in school so that I can say I've been there I can do this I can you know and I don't I'm not saying that what they're doing now is bad Mm -hmm. but I believe that working with the board members that are already in place that together we can do what's best for not just for the children who know somebody that knows someone because we're a small town so everybody that knows someone or everybody that's a cousin to to someone Right. Well, then they get the breaks, but we talk. I'm talking about the people that has no connection. So They're you poor and they don't have a voice. So you, so you see a need to be the voice for the underprivileged and the overlooked. Yes, is that what you're saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. So, so in an essence, they're at that board table through you. Exactly, because you're going to be the voice of them. You're going to speak for them. I'm going to be the voice for them, and I'm going to speak for them. I, I believe that children have to have someone to represent them. If you don't have, they don't have an advocate, who's going to advocate for them? Uh, even at this, during this pandemic, we have lots of children who don't have internet. Mm-hmm. And if you give them, uh, um, uh, you know, one of those little things that you put me in. Yeah, hotspot. Yeah, well, hot hot well, if you're in the woods, the hotspots still don't work. Exactly. So how can we get these children educated when we don't, we don't, we forget about that they don't have the resources necessary in order to be educated. So COVID has really uh, not only opened my eyes to what's going on, it also should open the eyes of everybody in this country that we are not at the digital state of teaching children from home. Right. And, and then what if we have the children at home and the mom can't read? Mother can't read. Yeah. It's not. So, a, it's not an even playing field. It is not an even playing field. The it, people who are behind it, the gap is going to widen yeah. because the children who don't have resources, well, they can't get there. Uh, a, a couple of years ago, we uh, they hired a superintendent, and one of the things that she talked about was the achievement gap. And I thought about it, and I said, "Well, you know, I've got some friends at United Way. Let me see if we can uh, find something to help the children who have that achievement gap." 
So, of course, I wrote a project and we uh, I talked to my church and I talked to the library in Purlington and we started a summer program. I still see those children when I'm in the grocery, when I'm in Walmart, of course, mm. and when I'm in, you know, the dollar store, because we yeah. don't have many stores in Wayward. I see them and they still come up to me and say, you know, I'm still making A's. Because we gave them that that little thump that they needed in order to be successful. Right. Those are the kinds of programs that I believe that I can work with the board members and the administration to see if we could add that to what children need. Okay. So you and what? So as far as like policy, are you trying to push policy forward? Like what role? Would that play in, in say, your day-to-day or some of the obstacles that you may come about? Okay, as a board member, that is our job is to make policy. Okay. So you before when I get there, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read. I have to read the policy. Actually, I've been reading some of Bayway's policies already uh, because they're posted on on the web. Uh, get with it with the board members and let them see where the gaps are in the policy because. The superintendent is our only employee. And if we have a gap in a policy, as a board, we have to present that to the to the superintendent. Okay. And the superintendent presents those changes to the principals and they implement those changes. So policy, no matter whether you're in a school district or you're on the board of a, 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 a bank, it is the policy that you have in place that affects everyone that's in that organization so what what would you say to some of the board some of the board members who may not see eye to eye with you who may not even be you know what you can't say that people aren't aware of the gap because it's obvious but who choose not to look that way and and want to make i think that comes through training when you have board members that are well trained then they can accept the gap so as a as a as a board member sitting at the table and we need to have a little diversity training you know looking at how we and culture it's not just diversity it's more cultural training and and when you see even even with african americans we all are african americans but we don't have the same culture right you know if you're living in south mississippi and you move to new york you're in totally. a culture shock okay yeah. So totally. we have it totally different. So we have to have some cultural based training for our children and for our teachers and our board members and our administration so that they can see that sometimes when children come to school, we just don't understand the culture. Right. That- and that is where the training is comes starts. And it has to start with the board and the superintendent for it to happen in the schools. Absolutely. And I don't want to get sidetracked, but I want to say that what what you're hitting on has a lot to do with what's going on in communities with the police brutality and stuff too. Because if you put some people in these communities that have the respect and the understanding for the people who are living in these communities, they'll have more patience. They'll talk to them and speak to them with more respect. That is so true. And uh, one of the things that I kind of mostly write projects for people who especially my town since I'm retired and one of the things that I just finished up a couple of about maybe a month about six weeks ago is to put more training in our police department here in Waveland 
And it's, it, it is some more culture-based training that is out there that, that, you know, officers can have. How do you handle people with mental health problems? All those things combined. Yeah. So it starts with at the top. It doesn't start at the bottom. It has to start at the top to really have any real change to happen. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. How, what would you say to the uh, workload? Is it like a nine to five workload? Uh, what's the workload like if you were to take on this position? And do you have the time to devote to it? Let me just tell you, I'm retired. I don't think it's <laughs> not to anybody, but I will say this. The workload for uh, being a board member is not that great. You know, okay. they have meetings and meetings are mainly in the afternoon. There is a time set where you have to go and visit the schools, but you only go visit schools as a board, as a total board. You don't go as, oh, as an individual because okay. I always say I don't wear my board hat at the table. I've served on lots of boards, so I know you don't wear the board hat unless you're at the table. I, I, I misspoke. You, when you're in the boardroom, that's when you're a board member. Otherwise, you're a private citizen. Okay. Got so, what we the time that is necessary now the reading time. I know that you. I like. I have to read everything. That's one of the things. That's why I can't have C. Is that I read everything. Okay. And You know, we. One of the things that you have to do is you approve expenditures. I'm one of those that's going to read every dollar. I'm going to uh, read every program. I'm going to check when children are tested and they, they give me a report. I'm not going to get to the boardroom and then open up the, the packet. Right. As soon as I get, when I get there, or if it's on my computer or on my iPad, I'm not going to open it up when I get to the boardroom. I'm going to be prepared. If I have questions that I don't understand, things that I don't understand, I'm going to call that one employee that I have, and that would be the superintendent, and say, can you explain this to me? I am not a uh, show-getter. I don't want to, you know, because the newspaper is in the room, I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't sabotage the superintendent. I call the superintendent early and say, can you explain this to me and so that we can get on one accord before the board meeting? Okay. So, so what um, qualities would you say that you would bring to that environment and, and that you would be impressionable uh, with? One of the things that was mentioned to me by someone was that they had a conversation about, about Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I said, mm, I wonder how that conversation went because there was nobody, there's nobody black in the room. <laughs> So that was just, that just stuck me, you know, was the fact I said, I will bring diversity to that board. I can give them the perspective of the difference between my little, uh, you know, I always, when I was principal, the one thing I noticed about black girls, because I'm that way, is that when we're standing in line, we don't have to hear, nobody else can hear the music, but we can hear the music. If we're humming a song and you know, uh, we have a song in our mind, we'll start moving. Yeah, for sure. If the teacher says everybody stand in line and straight line and be quiet and da da da, she's not making noise, but she hears the music. Uh huh. That is a cultural difference. It is, and that's what I can bring to the table and say, you know, no, she, she wasn't being disrespectful. She was probably in her own zone. Yeah, and she heard the music. That's why she moved. Okay. (laughs) So we have to have those kind of conversations when I'm sitting at that board table because I can explain that to them easily. 
Absolutely. Yeah. What would you say to a small? Okay, so in a small town like Bay Bay St. Louis, Waveland, um, I know the the dropout rate could become alarming in small towns, um, less resources and things like that. And I, I you know, I'm just speaking in general. Mm-hmm. What would you do to kind of decrease the the dropout rate to to encourage? kids in the community and their parents just be more involved in education to to get excited about it what could you do i mean what type of programs or policies could you implement for that i think that boards need to have a uh they need to have kind of like a fireside chat the way we're doing now Mm -hmm. with parents to find out what are the real needs for these children Mm -hmm. there are children that are not college ready they will never go to the university but they could they could do welding they could do they could be a beautician they could just having an alternative school so that kids can fill in the gap in the uh, little circles that answer the question that's not beneficial for children children need to learn especially when they're in high school really they need to start at junior high yeah they need to look at what is it this child is interested in if he's good with his hands why not be a mechanic exactly if, I was gonna... you know why not why not build some houses yeah those are the kinds of things we need here in south mississippi because you know we had katrina 15 years ago uh-huh. or more we still we are still building and we if we could train these children to build houses to lay brick to to yep. do all these kinds of things versus just taking a test yeah. And hoping they'll get in some school. Some children are not going to go to college. And if they go, they're not going to stay. Yeah. Some kids just have no interest in. in, in they have no interest. Or, or fractions or, or anything. Some no. kids, that's an idle mind to them. Some kids just need to be active. Some kids need to be constructive. And people and, and teachers, parents, superintendents, the board, they need to understand that. That every kid is not going to have the same interest. It's not going to have the same skill set. Well, Mississippi had something they call the certificate of attendance. Okay. Well, what does that say to an employer? Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. <laughs> so what you what you're gonna say is that I you were able to sit in a seat for 12, 13 years. <laughs> you came out with nothing. Yeah. So why can't we take that same baby and train him? to work on cars or to train him to work on small boat motors. Yeah. Because if you have a boat here in South Mississippi, it's worse than going to the doctor because there is no place to take your boat. You get on a waiting list. Oh, wow. So we need someone. We need Mississippi? To, in Mississippi, you have to get on a waiting list to get your boat fixed. Okay? All that water out there, you got to get on All that water, you got to wait. <laughs> So we need to train children to work on small boat motors. We need the air conditioning. It's always hot in Mississippi. Yeah. So everybody, children can learn to do air conditioning. Those are the kinds of things that I think that I could bring to the table and talk to uh, my board members, my fellow board members and say, let's look at doing something a little different for children to, so that they can be successful. I, I don't think I'm going to change the world. But I can do it a little chunk at a time with how I talk with the board members and the superintendent and say, let's look at another way of doing this. This would eliminate a lot of the dropout rate. Yeah. Children, if they are doing something that they want to do, they don't drop out from it. 
they stay with it. And once they're employed, see, you don't have to worry about them selling drugs or going to jail. Exactly. Because they have something to do to make money. Right. So we got to change what we're doing for children. And and they got a skill set that they were that they appreciated and enjoyed. And now they're willing to, you know, do that to make the money. And and so I, I like what you're saying, because it's like changing the whole vision of what education looks like in school and the community. That's like community outreach all at the same time. Yes. And, and with our community, I'm serious. When you walk around in Waveland and Bay St. Louis, Catahoula, where I was born, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Everyone knows when a child has been kicked out of school. Everyone knows when that child didn't get what they needed. Mm -hmm. So that's where I believe that I can make a difference. And I'm not talking about just African-American children. I'm talking about all children. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So give us a quick rundown of your credentials, though, because I know I, I mentioned that you were in education. You've been in education for over 30 years. So can you give us a quick rundown of all of your titles and your experiences? Okay. Uh, I got my bachelor's degree at Roosevelt University in Chicago, uh, downtown Roosevelt. Okay. I got my uh, master's from University of Mississippi in Hattiesburg, University of Southern Mississippi in Hattiesburg. I always forget the Southern part. And I got my doctorate at University of Mississippi. Uh, okay. I've been a teacher. I started off as a special ed teacher and, and, and I'm a special ed teacher at heart. Okay, that's just my thing. I got with that when I got my uh, master's, I got it in administration. And the reason I did that, I had a principal tell me, and I'm I, that you know, because I was bossy. I'm, I'm still bossy. Everybody knows that. Sometimes you and, have to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I, he told me, he said, you need to go be go back to school to be a principal. I said, why you say that? He said, because you're so bossy. You're always telling me what to do. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I don't. He, yeah, he says, yeah, you do. So I went back to school to be a principal. And when I did, I was, as soon as I finished my program, I had a job. And so with straight into administration, a bit, I was in administration longer than I was a teacher. I was over 20 some years in administration. Because I, get, I always have this vision of what things could be like. Because mm -hmm. you were... Uh, yeah. Because I'm sorry to cut you off, but basically you were affected by the policy, but you couldn't control the policy. Right. So and that's where teachers are now. Yeah. Teachers are, teachers, the one thing I say about teachers, they have a heart for children. They want the best for children. And, but we, sometimes their hands are tied, especially the way, the way the state, and, and I know my, at a local school level, I can't change the state's right. requirements for testing. But I have a voice. I can talk to people and say, can we look at what we're doing to children? You know, can we make some changes? Yeah. Teachers are having to teach to the test almost in order to be successful because they're pressured. Then the principal is pressured. The superintendent is pressured. Everybody is pressured. We've got to come together and see what is it best? What's best for children? Not just yeah. uh, we got to have them pass this test. Yeah, and it's like some kids. Some kids are just not good test takers. Doesn't doesn't mean they're not learning what they need to learn. It's just some kids get in front of a test and that pressure's too much for them and they go blank. That's true. You no, know, I've so, had friends that were like that coming up. Mm -hmm. 
And I've had some, not only friends, relatives and every, all the whole gamut. <laughs> I, I just can't pass that test. I had one of my neighbors when my mom was sick. He was taking a test to be an engineer at uh, here in um, Waveland. And I said, well, can you visualize what you need to do? Yeah, I can. I said, okay, so when we, while you're taking that, you're getting ready to take that study for the test. As you read the question, start writing it down in your mind. Map it out. So I was just, we worked on it, worked on it. Do you know he passed that test? He said, oh, oh. Barbara, I didn't think I'd ever pass it. I said, oh, you, you've got to, you got to figure out a way. What makes it work for you? Yeah. And, you know, and he, if, if once he drew it out, he could remember when he took the test. So oh. it depends. As you as you're working with children, you got to find out what works for them. Yeah, and that teacher. Yes, you know, uh, an intuitive teacher, someone some with some ingenuity, you know. And we have those kind of teachers, but they're not allowed to do what they need to do for children sometimes because uh, they're following a strict guideline. Exactly. Hands tied. Yeah. So how do you retain good teachers who get tired of that? Because I'm pretty sure it's it's a lot of stress. So how do you retain or attract good teachers? Number one, you got to pay them. That's, and that pay is not everything. But then you got to make sure that they feel appreciated. Mm, yeah. And supported. When teachers are appreciated, and any employee that, that's working for you, <laughs> I don't care if it's just your housekeeper. If you make that person feel welcome and make let them know you appreciate them, nine times out of ten, you can retain them. Okay. And they sometimes, if it's a couple of thousand dollars more to go to Gulfport rather than stay in Bay St. Louis, they're not going to take it. They'd rather stay home yeah. and teach yeah. if they feel that what you're doing, that what they're doing is supported by the administration. You know what I always wondered? Because teachers always say, well, you know, the pay is not great, but I love what I do. Do you think that's a systematic thing? Like they, they make it so that they don't pay them well so they can attract the people who are really passionate and they're going to work for little, you know, I ain't going to say little to nothing, but less than what they probably are even worth because they love it. Because if you start paying teachers all this type of money, people will sign up just for the check and not really care. You think? No, I don't think so. No? I think because I've worked in a school, I've made pretty good money in, in certain areas in schools. Okay. The one thing that I know about good teachers, they're going to teach whether they get paid or not. They're going to dig, meaning that I, I can remember when I came back from Chicago, I left Chicago and I thought I was, you know, a real teacher. Uh-huh. And I um, came, I was making almost $17,000 a year. Now, this was me talking back in the 80s. Back, back, yeah. yeah I got yeah, you. Yeah, back in the day. I got you. I came to Mississippi and they gave me a contract. It was $6,500. I almost fell out my chair, but I kept the job. $6,500 for what? For the year? For the whole year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I taught every day. Wasn't had to love it. School, you had to love it. You have to love what you do yeah. in order to be successful because you look at those babies and you know that you're doing the best that you can do for them. Yeah. And that's the kind of teachers that we have. We have those, those teachers are all over the world. Now we, everybody has a bad apple, mm-hmm. you know, but 
nine times out of 10, that people who stay in education, they don't stay for the money. They stay for the art of teaching. And helping others. Yes, and helping others. Touching yeah. lives, changing lives. Yes. Yeah. So question real quick. You you mentioned um, the superintendent works for, for the board. What is the role of the superintendent? Are they the, are you guys the ones, I'm speaking this to, into fruition and, and existence. When, when you make policies on the board, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Is the superintendent the one that takes it out there and does the footwork, legwork, or how does yes. that? The superintendent is the CEO of the school district. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Got you. Never yes. Yes. And they take the policy and they, those policies are implemented by the superintendent and the, and the principals. Okay. And gotcha. the superintendent reports back to the board and the principals report to the superintendent. Okay. Now, so with you saying you, you want to be hands-on, touching the community, being the voice for the underprivileged, the overlooked, do you feel like the board should take a role in like day-to-day, act, uh, day-to-day practices in the district? Absolutely not. No? Okay. Why? No, no because the principals are trained to run the school. That's their job. They, they're trained to be the, the, the leader of that school. We can't, as a board member, if I come in telling the principal what to do all the time, well, then why do we have a superintendent? Okay. You see what I'm saying? You've got to stay, I I call it staying in your lane. Okay. You have to stay in your lane in order to run an efficient school district. Okay. Now, go ahead. One of the the things that can happen, though, say if they have programs, different programs in a school, Mm-hmm. And they have different little committees and things like that. Now, the school board could serve on some of those committees if that was necessary. Okay. But that it would not be as a school board member, for say, it would be as a, uh, like an adjunct person to that particular committee. But they should not be running the schools. Okay. I don't, I don't want to run a school district. If you saw my, uh, you, I, I think I put it on my bio. I went to UNC for two years, Mm -hmm. got this nice fellowship to to be trained as a superintendent. The very last semester, we were sitting in there and we were talking and we had the attorneys come in and they were telling us all our legal responsibilities. And at that point, I said, nope, don't want to be a superintendent. And everybody was looking at me, we've done two years here and you're 10 years. I said, "Uh uh-uh, that's not me. So I know I don't want to tell the super I don't want to run the superintendent's job. We I think we should hire the best person we can for the job and expect that person to do it. Okay. Now okay, so another question for you about the board. If you so say the board pushes a policy through that you're not in agreement with, would mm-hmm. you would you work just as hard for that policy and to implement that policy as if you would for a policy that you are in agreement with agreeance with i'm a team player meaning that if you know you can't play a football game you know i'm i'm, a, I'm pretty much a saints fan so, <laughs> you you can't win a game if the team is going this way and i'm going that way you running back to the other end zone end up, that, that's not how you win a game with the ball with the ball exactly (laughs) that does not work so what you have to do is you have to even though the policy may be bad 
you don't get out in the community and complain about the policy. You work with the board to see how we can work together as a team to make the policy better. Okay. They try to try to shift it. Yes. Yeah, shift it in a, in a way that it's going to work for everybody. Right? right, because policy is not written in, in stone. You can always revise it. Right. Yeah. So you got it. So it's kind of like a, you know, it's a guinea pig. You put that policy out there, see if it works. If it mm-hmm. blows up in your face, you go back to the drawing board and say, hey, this didn't work. We, we can't do it maybe over. we should visit what I propose. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, you know, I would say it a little softer than that. Maybe we want to consider some other things. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that a lot of people, you know, wear their feelings on their sleeves. So you have to really kind of work with people because relationship building is the number one, is the key to every, to success. Yeah, for sure. If you don't have a good relationship with people, well, it's hard to be successful and you can't win a game by yourself. Yeah. You gotta have, you gotta have the whole team. I was just telling somebody today, I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, it's all about how you, how you make people feel, how you treat them, how you speak to them. And you, you can make an, you can have one of your enemies doing good deeds for you if you just treat them right speak to them in a in a nice manner no matter how you feel about them or how you feel in that moment you know it's just yeah. all about the approach and the yeah it, you, you can either use sandpaper words or you can use cotton words right and i prefer to use the cotton absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. yeah so november 3rd that's when the poll is right yeah november 3rd in the presidential election i'm on the ballot oh and, man <laughs> yes yeah that's what i'm so talking I, about so i'm you know i really really would like to have the vote of every as many people as possible in the city of weight but i do have an opponent and i'm sure she wants the same thing but i feel like i'm the best candidate so pitch yourself pitch it why are you the yeah. best candidate go because, <laughs> because i have experience I have over 32 years of experience. I really care about all children. I will tell you, my part-time job is to do play therapy with babies. Okay. And today I, I'm, I'm running around with my um, little niece and she's, I get this text message from this parent where I had taught this baby how to crawl, mm-hmm. but he wasn't getting it when I left. He was just kind of like barely, I'm like, come on, gotta pick yourself up, pick yourself up. She sent me a video, and guess what? He's crawling. Wow. So that's, we got to have people like me, and that's what I have that I can bring to the table to other board members. I have the care for children and care for their success, whether they're zero, from zero <laughs> to 21, probably older, because when you're in college, I worry to death my grandson could tell you that. So I believe that if you have people that care about children on that board, Everything else will fall in place. So are you approachable to the point where if somebody in the community walks up to you right now and says, Barbara, this is my issue that's going on in school. It's affecting me. It's affecting my child learning. Is there something that can be done? Can you please help me? Can you be the voice? I can be that voice, but I will not go to that teacher or that principal and tell them what to do. I would go to my one employee, that's the superintendent, and (laughs) tell her or him that this this parent came to me. And then I would tell her what the issue is, and I'd expect a report back. Okay. See? 
everybody listen go out and vote early early voting early voting has started out here in atlanta has it started out there we don't have early voting we're in mississippi oh, man. no we don't have early votes all we got all we have is if you can't be if you got to work today that november 3rd well then you can go vote early that's a trap okay <laughs> i'm not gonna get political here <laughs> no listen the listen my views do not reflect the views of dr barbara coatney tonight but I'm telling you right now, that's a trap. How do you not have early voting and leave it to one single day? Well, anyway, everybody oh. get out there. November 3rd, the polls will be open late, which they always are. Make sure you cast your vote. Do you guys have like, um... No, but, uh, let me just, let me correct you on one thing. The polls up? close at seven o'clock. They, at seven on, on the third? Seven. Seriously? I thought okay. they closed about nine. No. Was that no. was that only when Barack was uh, being? <laughs> <laughs> not even when Barack was running. Okay, they did not close at nine. They closed at seven. Man, I'm tripping. Hey, I get, I get mine in early anyway, so I, you know I don't know. I thought they closed at nine. My bad. But listen, everybody, make sure you get out there and vote. Go on your lunch break. Ask for a break. Get up early before work. Get off work at five and go vote. Dr. Barbara mm-hmm. Coney, she is going to make a difference. I can tell she has a heart for children, for learning, for change, for you. She's going to work for you. So you make sure you get out there and vote. And make sure you follow her on Instagram. It's Dr. Barbara. No, it's Barbara.MayfieldCoatney51. It's right yes. there on the lower third. Make sure you go follow her. Follow her campaign. And if she's campaigning anywhere in the city, in the, in the town, get out there and support. She has her signs up and she's yes. made a difference. Thank you. Yes. Is there anything that you want to leave us with, Dr. Barbara Coatney? Yes. Uh, one of the things that I was I, I learned a couple of years ago from the priest, he said that you should always try to make your community better. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I like to do is make the city of Waveland a better place to live. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I believe you're going to do that. Okay. Thank you. And I believe you're going to win. That's my, that's what, that's what's in my heart. I feel that. Well, I'm glad. And I do too. So I do I hope, confidence that I win. I hope that everything that you're displaying here is conveyed effectively on your campaign run. Um, do you have any more like public engagements or anything like that? Or I do have a meet and greet this Saturday at the Waveland Pier in the lighthouse section where we have a little, we just built the lighthouse and uh, it's going to be from two to four. Okay. Uh, I will have a, just, it's just a small meet and greet and we're, we're, we're going to follow the CDC guidelines. Uh, basically that's it. And from that, I, I think I'll do the, uh, uh, trunk a treat on the 30th here in Waveland, you know, where you give out the free candy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get some candy and do the candy and meet people that way. Okay. I will also have a Zoom. I, I, I'm sending out a letter to my, um, to every voter in the city of Waveland that has read, has voted for the past eight years. And on, in that letter, it's going to state that I want to have a Zoom meeting on the 27th from 6th 
at six o'clock. And if they send me their email address to the email address that I put in there, then I will give them an invite to the Zoom meeting and I will answer any questions that they have. Here's an idea. At the Trunk or Treat, you should take down emails. That would be good. Thank you. I like that idea. Have a pen and a pad. And as you're handing out, have somebody taking down email addresses. And I'll do that on Saturday too. Yes. Get as many as you can. And there you go. Fill that database up and hit send. Okay. I sure will. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> yes, indeed. We got to work together, Barbara. <laughs> yes, we do. Thank you so, so very much. Yes, yes, yes. Listen, I, I wish you much success on your campaign. I pray that you win. I feel that you will win because I feel that you will really make a difference, that you really care genuinely, authentically. Um, yeah. So I just wish you the best, man. And and I'll, I'll, I'll keep an ear out. I want to see a celebration on Facebook after your well, victory. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, you know, it has to follow the CDC guidelines because I'm really funny about that. So, but we will have yeah. a little celebration. Yes. Okay. I look okay. forward to it. I look forward okay. to it. Okay, I'll send you a link. Yeah. Hit All me right. up. I, will. I can do that. <laughs> All right, Barbara, I really appreciate you coming on the show and giving me your time and, um, enlightening us you know about education and just speaking out for those who don't have the voice uh yes definitely 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 man you got a heart for it we appreciate it we see the love the passion that you have for it so i think you'll go a long way you'll do great uh everybody get out there and vote man vote period we need it this year every year there's an election we need it you make the difference you can make the difference y'all go out there and vote we're not telling you who to vote for but you hear it, you see it, you know what it is, you feel it in your heart, and there it is. Everybody tuning in tonight, we appreciate you coming on. If this is your first time viewing this show, I invite you to subscribe so you can continue to get the value that I bring with my guests like the phenomenal Dr. Barbara Coatney. I'll Thank give you. you a round of applause. <laughs> appreciate that. You have a good night. All right, you too. Episode 44 is in the bag, y'all. Next week, I'll be back with another guest. You never know who I may have. On Tuesday, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, YouTube Live. We'll be here kicking it. All right? Till next time, y'all. Appreciate you tuning in.